0: Hey everyone, welcome back or welcome to the Building Efficiency Podcast presented by Nenny & Associates. I'm your host, Jim Schaefer. Now, if this is your first time tuning in, Nenny & Associates is an executive search firm focused on the building efficiency industry. That's why we named the podcast the way that we did. And simply put, we help our clients find the right talent. And each week, we sit down with leaders from the industry to discuss their backgrounds, how they got started, and really where they see the industry heading. We also get to know our guests and find out what drives them to be successful. And on today's episode, episode 93, I sit down with Mahesh Ramonajam. It was super interesting to hear about Mahesh's background and how he got started in his career. And really the bulk of our conversation was talking about his business and revenue model for Global Network for Zero. And really how the net zero goals for buildings will evolve over the next 10 to 15 years, similar to how different technological advancements have become more ubiquitous today. And as usual, be sure to stick around until the end of the episode to hear about the advice Mahesh would give to his 22-year-old self. I know that's something he spent a lot of time thinking about. Now, if you haven't done so already, be sure to subscribe to our channel and consider downloading this episode and future episodes. This is really the only way that we can track how many people are listening. So, uh, if you're still streaming the episodes, I urge you to consider hitting that download button instead. Now, if you enjoy the episode, please share it, leave a five-star review on our page. Now we think you're really going to enjoy this conversation with Mahesh and me, so let's drop in. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Building Efficiency Podcast. Today, we're sitting down with Mahesh Ramonajam, who is the president and CEO with Global Network for Zero. Mahesh, welcome to the show. Thank you, Jim. Uh, it's exciting to be here today with you. Yeah, yeah. And no, I'm glad you all reached out and, you know, just taking a look at uh the mission and the website and what you guys are doing. It seemed like it's certainly aligned with our audience and, and what we're trying to get accomplished here on the podcast. So I'm excited to uh hear more about your background and what you guys are up to. So let's start there. Mahesh, tell tell the audience about you know kind of where you grew up and how you got started in your career. Uh, basically, you know, thank you, Jim, again.
1: Uh, I was born in India, you know, in the southern part of India, in a city named Chennai, and uh, I did my primary education in, in India at Annamal University. So I am a computer science graduate, I'm an engineer by background and experience. And then uh, I came to US for work in 1997, and uh, since then uh, I've been having a fantastic time in this country and trying to be working with leaders like yourself, so it has been an exciting journey. And then I look at my journey in three parts. First part is uh, technology and business transformation. I spent a good amount of time uh, trying to help businesses build better technology, better technology solutions, and most importantly, help them to transform the businesses. The second part was uh, my association with the U.S. Green Building Council, where I was the president and CEO uh, for almost thirteen years in multiple C-level roles, and uh, there I was uh, able to influence significant climate action, particularly in the building sector. Uh, uh, and, and I had a really good time advocating for climate action, and really making lead the de facto green building rating system in the world. And then the third journey that I'm on, which you already touched on, is I'm the president and CEO of Global Network for Zero, and I'm trying to simply bring the business, technology, and climate experience all together, so that uh, so that we can solve the biggest challenge that we have ahead of us, which is
0: climate change. Okay. So you took on the easy problem, something that's real <laughs> simple and small. Yeah. Trying to solve climate change. Okay. All right. So so I think just to uh, to bring our audience up to speed, you know, we've had a lot of guests that have come on that have, you know, worked for large ESCOs, you know, energy services companies. We've had some folks from engineering firms. We've had uh, consultants. We've had folks from uh, manufacturers, right? Big HVAC companies. So Bahesh, t- tell us a little bit about, you know, kind of the, the business at its core and then who some of the customers are that you guys work with and serve. Uh, You know, the global
1: network was zero was founded on a simple premise that we need to get everybody to net zero emissions. What does that mean? At this point of time, the significant economic activity that's happening all around the world, which we need very much, even particularly so in the post-COVID world and in the current inflationary environment and all the wonderful challenges that we are facing, we need to have a very clear uh, economic prosperity. But that has always come at the cost of environment. And then it affects the people, particularly the vulnerable among us. So the singular focus for our organization is to help the world mitigate carbon emissions, which is also known as net zero. And the idea here is that we remove more carbon from the atmosphere than we produce, we save more energy than we use, and we save more water than we consume. And when you think of that premise, uh, that's our journey, that's what we are focusing on. Where we are specifically focusing on is creating an implementation roadmap for companies of all sizes in all industries to really help them to understand how to really calculate net zero emissions how to really use an extended ecosystem to help them to really have a good plan to mitigate those emissions and then eventually get a third party verification and certification from an institute like global network for zero so that they know that they have not only arrived but it has been validated by a third party and it is completely data driven now having said this who are our customers and when we look at this uh, you know i would say everybody Every business out there is a customer, every government, every uh, individual, every building, every asset, every product. We can go on and on because decarbonization is a global problem. It's a universal problem, and it needs us to tackle that, not in silos, but we have to deal with that as an interdisciplinary challenge. So that is why we're taking this big mandate. Now, regardless, we have to prioritize. So we always prioritize with the highest emitting sector. For example, I come from the building sector. And the building sector took 40% of, uh, it still emits 40% of emissions. So it will be a good area to focus on. And that's kind of the, the, the way we are looking at the industry and how we play a role in it.
0: Yeah. Again, taking a small bite there with uh, trying to be, you know, trying to work with every customer. <laughs> so I'm following a theme here, Mahesh. But yeah, I think you, you touched on it. So even within like kind of the uh, the commercial building sector. So what I'm what I'm hearing, and just you know, make sure I truly understand the revenue model here is 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 it kind of a consulting play where it's billable hours and there's there's fees associated with your time and, and putting together you know the proper plans, or is there you know what's what's the broader revenue model associated with the business?
1: I think the larger revenue model for us will be in certification. We certification. don't want to be in the consulting business okay. because we have enough capacity that's out there. And what we can do is that we can organize a healthy consulting ecosystem and then provide them the rigorous standards that are required to implement a good net zero implementation. So from our point of view, we are not trying to play into the consulting ecosystem. But however, I'm inspired by Amazon, right? They have one-click approach. So that rather than keep passing on things to other people, you start with the standard, You focus on implementation, and then we come in at the end to actually do the verification and validation. So we are a certification body. So our business model will be based on how we certify. And most likely, since these are all multi-year roadmap for many people, this will be a multi-year revenue model where people have to pay the certification fees every year or every periodic frequency that they define in their plan. So that's our business model. But however, we have to work with our consultants to make it easier for our customer to have that one-stop shop experience like uh, like the Amazon one click.
0: Got it. Got it. OK, no, that's uh, that's super helpful. So and I got to think, too, like even within the commercial building space, I think about all the different verticals. You have you know traditional commercial buildings, you have industrial, you have government, you have schools, you have hospitals. Right. And I just think about like the quickest path or is, is there an audience? Is there a facility type that seems more receptive to this model than maybe others or ones that are more progressive? Like what have you seen there in like a, a specific vertical market, if you will?
1: I think the the big chunks are, you know, the transformation has happened is happening in the new building sector, to be new very build. clear. Okay. When you look at this from a big picture point of view, new and existing is a big broad categorization on the commercial bit, right? Yeah. So the new building is always moving in the right direction because they always have the ability to attract better cash. And most importantly, uh, people are always looking to build the latest and greatest, of course, as long as it is affordable. Now, so naturally, green kind of takes an accelerated path on that. But however, on the existing building sector, when you look at the big big level of existing building, the way I would look at that is where there are big pockets of portfolio buildings, right? If you go to a college campus, trying to implement a solution that is more incremental. What I mean by that is that if you replace LEDs in, in your, all your buildings, the value that you will generate for yourself, the impact that you will be create will be significant rather than you trying to just work on one building. So we always believe in taking million incremental steps than taking that $1 million worth of step, right? So I believe when you ask about prioritization, when you talk about opportunities, I would say portfolios first and portfolios which have not been able to successfully transform. For example, retail, hospitality, healthcare, uh, schools, college campuses, uh, large government buildings, large uh, public facilities that have have been able to just barely keep running. These are the way we look at these portfolios and where we just simply say, People who could benefit from incremental action so that eventually they can get to the ultimate transformation goal, whether getting to net zero in 2030, 2035, 40, 45, and no later than 50. So the idea here is anybody who is constrained to take incremental action, who has got a budget constraint, and who has to do this in volume would be our ideal customer or ideal prioritization. Because that's where our solution comes very handy, because we are trying to encourage incremental steps. Let's not have moonshots. Let's have these daily two twosies, so that we can eventually have the pressure of actually having everybody move in the right direction. And when they move in the right direction, what we have seen over and over again with the transformation is people do arrive. Maybe a little bit later than what we want them to be, but they eventually arrive. So I, I think that's a, that's the a power of our vision, and that's where we are focusing
0: Okay, and how would you compare this to like lead certification? Like, is this is this like the next evolution of lead and elite gold, platinum, et cetera? Right, there's different designations there. Like, how would you compare the two?
1: Yeah, the key differentiation is lead takes it holistic, right? It is like you going to college and saying, "Hey, you know what? I need to be graduated to an undergrad course or a master's course." So you have to fulfill a certain amount of credits. You are expected to do these prerequisites. You have to have these uh, electives, and then you have to do your core curriculum. Then you get to a GPA and then you graduate. That's lead. It's a holistic approach, it's an integrated approach. And we believe that that's very, very important and it has to continue to happen in the marketplace. But when you come to net zero, particularly when you think about existing buildings, not everybody can do that because it'll be cost prohibitive. Second, there's too many things to focus on. So we are saying focus on these four key metrics net zero energy, net zero water, net zero waste, and net zero carbon. So it's a foundational step. So I would not say, it, it differentiates itself from that, number one. I would say that it differentiates itself from that. Second thing is it's very, very important to understand. All net zero buildings can become lead buildings, but not all lead buildings are net zero buildings. Got it. So this is the key differentiation. So we are complementary. We are supporting it. And and uh, for a building that has already achieved platinum, we are the next step. For a building that has not even started, we are the first step. Got it.
0: Okay. No, that's, that's helpful. No, I, just, uh, I was just kind of thinking about that. So... All right, no, but thank you question. for that. And, uh, I know these are very, you know, baseline questions, but I think it's helpful just you know, educate myself and the audience and on what you guys are doing. So that's super helpful. So let's um uh, let's um let's hover out for a second. Let's look at, and then I'm sure you've, you've given a lot of thought to this question. Like, where do you see the industry heading? Five, 10, 15 years from now, what does that look like in your eyes?
1: Uh, I think we are going to we are going to deliver on the potential promise of net zero, right? At least we would have had, I would say, i like to look at this a little bit of within timeline. So you know, 2025, will, I feel like there will be a lot of confusion, a lot of excitement. A lot of people are trying to chase the, the next big thing. Some people are getting some their own bragging rights. Some people are struggling to get those bragging rights. You know, This type of confusion will rest until 2025 because there is a certain level of uh, settling down is happening from the market, right, post-COVID and all. But the crucial growth will happen from 2025 to 2030. What I believe truly is that regardless of the sector, regardless of the industry, all of them will finally get over the fact that look, we don't we don't want to fight green, we don't want to fight ESG, we don't want to fight uh, net zero. We just need to get to a, get to a good plan. Why? Because you will be obsolete if you didn't have technology. You will be obsolete if you didn't have marketing. If you will be you will be obsolete if you didn't have uh, innovative production practices or you don't do procurement smartly. So why would you keep sustainability as a one more thing to do? But it is an important thing to do, integrated into your business strategy. I see that evolution happening. Every day today, but I see that getting accelerated to between five to twenty-five to twenty twenty-five to twenty thirty. Then 2030, everybody's going to wake up and say, okay, how do I accelerate this? Right? I mean, that's what happened with technology. People fought it, people fought it. Now people cannot live without technology. They say, like, okay, how do I get more out of it? So that 20 to 30, 40 is going to be achievement based, and 20 to 40 to 50 will be basically proving it, scaling it, innovating it. And I'm really going after certain issues and say, okay, this is not an issue, or we need to tackle this issue." Why I'm saying it this way is because I am very optimist, optimistic about where the world could go. And after seeing COVID, as sadly as we had to see so many people lose their lives, we, we actually were able to beat it. Uh, the luckily, the world has beaten it. We paid a huge price for it, but we beat it. So I I believe in that perpetual wisdom of uh, human beings and and being able to rise up to the occasion. So that's where I see the industry going. But until 2025, there will be this standard narrative that'll be going on, do it or don't do it. It's costly, it's expensive. I don't want to be part of it. I don't believe in it. You know, all this, all this confused state of mind will prevail. But I do believe that post-25, it's going to scale up yeah. in a in a right
0: way. Okay. No, you, you answered the other question I had. Like, I was just curious to hear the roadblocks, right? Because anytime yeah, anytime you start a movement, you move in a progressive direction, there's always going to be people that are going to be opposed to it, right? Or don't believe in it. Or, yeah, like you said, it could be simply, it could be cost prohibitive. So are those the main roadblocks that you see as far as adopting this net zero approach and the certification or their other?
1: Absolutely. And the key roadblock
0: here is that
1: we are trying to put this in that. We are trying to make it about activism. That day we shift the activism narrative from basically a business process process improvement initiative. That day we actually shift this to a business strategy differentiator and really focus on data and make sure that you're trying to build the business case. Then green will no longer be questioned. Now, if you look at all the people who succeeded on it, they have been able to accomplish that, right? And and that is why they are scaling it up. And the people who are not able to scale it is because they have not figured out how to do it or they've been sitting on the sidelines not wanting to do it. These are two difficult problems. And then last but not the least, you know what you are doing right now in this uh, in this uh, session that we are having, this podcast, is storytelling, right? Tell the story. I always tell people, building a bad building is a sin, but not talking about a good building is a cardinal sin. So share the knowledge, promote the best practices, and show them the data, even if it looks intimidating to you that it could be a negative image for you. But being able to show it through data and proving it would scale up the industry, so I I see that as a significant roadblock: the mindset and the way we compute and the way we approach. We cannot anymore drive this activism play for environmental action. We had to make it about business action, yeah. and that's the key. That's the key block in my mind. Then the businesses will figure out how to overcome.
0: Yeah, and you had talked another thing I was curious about. So you had talked earlier like the the application here is new construction and existing buildings. So on the new construction side, I'm, I'm just curious: like what's the what's the temperature from General contractors and architects and engineers—the ones that are on the front end—again, I'm sure there's some that are progressive and open to it. I'm sure there's ones that probably aren't adopting it. So, what's your pulse on that? You know, because I know general contractors may tend to be very just focused and maybe a little bit old school, and maybe they're not adopting it. But I'd, I'd be curious just to get your your take on that.
1: I don't think they have a choice whether they like it or not. Today, uh, people just do it, and people are able to do it because naturally the practices are transcended. The technology has improved. The customer is more aware, and things have become affordable, right, or cheaper, right. Now the question is: Let's say we all have one a mobile phone, right. Today, whether you want to keep your current phone or you want to go and grab your new iPhone 15 Pro Max, that will always be there in any industry, in any evolution industry, right. I mean, you will buy it for various reasons. But but but, are you now questioning whether I need to have a mobile phone or not? Maybe 10 years ago you did, but today you don't. So, I want to clearly underscore point. that the yeah. practices have transcended. be it an architect or a, be it a construction person or a, be it a material product manufacturer. The question is how far have you taken it, and how far it is getting you closer to the goal of zero carbon emissions? That could be at least one of the lens. That's why we are zooming in on one metric, but there are other metrics too. Do you want to prioritize health? Then you need to go all the way out to make sure that your building is safe for your people. And if you're going for all the way to improving the value of the asset, what does that mean? You know, what does your customer want? You know, these are dimensions that people can tackle. But but to be very, very candid, if somebody would build a building that is not green today, I, I have to say to them that, you know, you are not in this planet anymore. You're kind of a little bit <laughs> not existent in this planet. So I, I do you're believe that's good news. Sorry, let me speak over here.
0: Yeah. No, I just said... They must be on Mars if they're not on this planet. Yes, they're they're yes, somewhere yes, else. Yeah. Yes.
1: Okay. So, so uh, it's not. That is where we are going, right? The good news about it is, it is about thirty years of advocacy work. Good work has been done. That is the power of standards. Why do we need to create standards? Sometimes people don't even know why we are doing it. We're all. We're all. We're all onboarding it because it has been given to us. It has been considered as a de facto. Like for example, a refrigerator in your home, is certain level of energy efficiency equipment, which was not the case ten years ago, right? And we can be sure and confident that regardless of anybody or last refrigerator, it is within 10 years, or it is very highly energy efficient. So these are the power of standards and certification. And uh, and uh, the more we can do that for the market, the better we will improve the, the practices on the ground and raise the bar.
0: No, that's good. No, I, I appreciate that. So let's uh, let's move to the last part of the show here. Mahesh, I was, I was curious. You know, We have these same four questions we asked every guest who comes on and wanted to lead off with, what are your daily non-negotiables?
1: Uh, I. My morning coffee, definitely. You know, I have to start with my coffee and my prayer, uh, regardless of when I finish it. And third is that I have to spend some time uh, reading, learning, and most importantly, interacting with my team, understanding where they are. And I like to be a little bit hands-on and connected to the people. So these are my non-negotiables. And uh, I, I keep it very focused. Uh, and I try to do my best to keep there. And then for me, all days are equal. So I don't differentiate between weekends and weekdays. I maintain the same routine. So that's also an non-negotiable.
0: Powerful. Now, what advice would you give to your 22-year-old self?
1: Uh, First, very important, uh, learn to get eight hours of sleep early and and stay consistent on it. You know, that's a very sleep well. Uh, The second part I will say is that is I've always been curious. Uh, So curiosity is very important, but curious to know now how to align with people who have a vision as early as possible uh, people who will actually uh, field for you in the future, and most importantly, learn to spend me time. Learn early and learn fast how to spend more time for yourself. Uh, because uh, because today's world uh, consumes all of us for external events and external activities. The power of being with yourself is very very important.
0: All right, what motivates you? What gets you out of bed in the morning?
1: I think it is about paying forward. You know, at the end of the day, uh, I have been very lucky. I told you my story. Uh, My father is a blue-collar worker. Here I am sitting and talking to you, talking about how to transform the world. That is an extraordinary privilege, extraordinary gift that was given to me by by my parents by making the ultimate sacrifice. So my goal in life is to pay it forward because the truth is post-COVID, there are millions and millions and millions of people around the world still barely trying to make a living That'll give them the roof, the food, the clean water, the clean air, and the clean energy. So when you think of it, uh, I think I think another couple of more million dollars will make me happy. But what will make me super happy is that if I knew that I transformed 100 people's lives and, and they felt that they had a chance to get the same chance that I had in my life. So I think that's what motivates me. And I try to keep my work very focused on that.
0: Yeah, those basic things we could so easily take for granted, right? Yes. Yes. Unless, we, unless we pause and acknowledge and have that uh, gratitude, you know, it's, yes. uh, it's so easy to just, um, yeah, take them for granted. So um, that's a good reminder there. All right. Last uh, last question. What do you want your lasting legacy to be?
1: It should be about, I should be known that I came here and made an impact and not only made an impact, but I want to be able to look at those people probably on my last day of my life and said, look, look, I'm leaving this world in a better place because they will do the same thing. That I try to do, so that that is what I want my legacy to be.
0: Well, I think that's a perfect way to uh, to wrap up the show here. So Mahesh, thanks for being a guest on the Building Efficiency Podcast.
1: Thank you, Jim. This is exciting.
0: All right. All right. There you have it, episode ninety three with Mahesh Ramanajam. I hope everyone enjoyed this episode as much as I did. And if you did enjoy it, please be sure to subscribe to our channel wherever you enjoy listening to your favorite podcasts. We hope that you're sharing this with your friends and colleagues as well. And one last thing, if you have any future guests in mind from the industry, please reach out to me. We'd love to hear from you loyal listeners. So until next time, I'm Jim Schaefer, and we'll catch you on the next episode.